This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons, and of course Michael, sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty Podcast, week 17. We're actually keeping track. Uh, and we are down in North Carolina, we've decided. No Shackalacky. That's right. For Patriots at Panthers. Last game of the regular season. A lot on the line here, at least for the Patriots. Not so much for the Panthers, which we'll get into. But before we do, gentlemen, how are you? Doing fantastic. Muy bien. Okay, you guys. You, you Welcome to my hometown. Down. That's right, yeah. We're down Go on and raise up. Take your shirt off. That's like about North Carolina or South Carolina. Jeez, I think he says for all Carolinas. Is it? No. Yeah, it's like... No. It's, <laughs> it's North Carolina. Yeah? Petey Carolina. Yeah, yeah. South Carolinans get uh get offended if you confuse them. Because we know North Carolinas oh, do. Dude, people get pissed off if you call Raleigh Durham one thing. Really? Really? Yeah, and they're like, "There's an airport called the Raleigh Durham Airport." <laughs> Wait, they God. consider them two separate cities. They are two separate cities. You son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> they're literally like right next to each other. Yeah. Well, they're like fifteen, twenty miles apart. Yeah, that's true. And well, then those fucking losers over in you? Chapel Hill. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and now you live in Durham, so you are kind of the expert on. What to call it? That's right. So, stat check. What what do we call that area? The triangle. The whole area. Just yeah. Steve is correct. It's called the triangle. <laughs> All right, great. What are the three points of the triangle? Raleigh, Durham, uh, and who the hell cares? Charlotte. Wait. Nope. Nope. Chapel Hill. There you go, Andy. Hey, all right. You know they call. I'm pretty sure there's only cities in North Carolina, right? You know they call where I live the same version of the triangle. What? The triad. No, the DMV. Oof. Wait. That's not a great nickname. Maryland, Virginia, Delaware. No. No. Delaware. DC. Yeah, the district, Maryland and Virginia. Yeah. The, the district. <laughs> You know what they call where I live? Cow Hampshire. <laughs> London Dairy. <laughs> Mitch Vegas. <laughs> Mitch Ganistan. Yeah. That's probably more accurate these days, yeah. We couldn't afford a house in Derry, so they moved us to London Derry. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of angry North Carolinans, we actually know one. So we thought we'd have him on the podcast to talk about his home team. Oh, Bobby. is our, our brother-in-law, Bobby. So enjoy that right now. So with us today, we have a special guest. Uh, it is our, I'd say, top three brother-in-law. Would you boys agree? Top two, come on. Top five. <laughs> But it is it is our sister's husband, Ellie's husband, Bobby Bridges. And this is the point where Gregory says his name with the accent. Oh, Bobby. There it is. <laughs> oh, what the hell? 
<laughs> so um, my first question, that leads into my first question, which is, uh, Bob, we, we didn't have a choice to be in the Brown family, but you did, and you chose this. Why? Well, I regret it every day, but at this point, I'm stuck. <laughs> um, no, you, you guys are great. I mean, obviously, I love Ellie, but uh, the family is a nice icing on the cake. Hey, you're you're the icing on the cake too, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Yeah, seems like a very PC answer. The Ellie cake. Yikes. So, Bob, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, born and raised in I was it was in North Carolina. I can never remember which Carolina, Bob. They're not the same, Andy. But I'll oh. I'll, I'll I'll handle that early slight and just move <laughs> on. Uh, I'm from North Carolina. Well, it's like, at least I got it right. You did. <laughs> I had a 50-50 shot. How far from Charlotte were you, Bob? Uh, about an hour. All right. But you were kind of in the in the woods of North Carolina, right? That is true. Uh, does your town have a name? Rumor has um, it that it didn't. We even have a post office, my friend. Oh, is that new? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, so you grew up in kind of the woods of, of North Carolina. Um, sure. And, and the Panthers weren't a thing until you were probably what, like nine or 10, I would think they came in the league in 95. Yeah, I mean, 95. So I was 10. That's so, right. So then did you get into football with the Panthers or were you already a football fan? I would say more or less with the Panthers. I would say that as I remember it now, um, I was like sort of a sports fan, but like when I was a kid, like young, it was all, the Braves. My dad loved the Braves. Mm. Watched the Braves all the time. Uh, and, you know, this was their heyday. This was like Maddox, Glavin, those guys. The, okay. I mean, I remember yeah. watching the last out of the World Series we won in 95. So I was all about the Braves. You know, you got college basketball. Everybody talks about UNC going on. Mm. And then, honestly, at this time, I was a Hornets fan. So I remember my <laughs> dad came to a game in one of those years and around that time period with a a friend of his who got tickets and going to see the Hornets playing uh, Michael Jordan in the Bulls. And I remember that I've still got the ticket saved um, in like my scrap box thing. Anyway, so football is far off the radar. Like my grandpa was a Redskins fan. Like the Redskins were kind of the team of the territory, but I didn't really pay attention to it. We didn't have a team. It was like baseball. And then I was personally a little bit into the Hornets and, you know, you had other stuff going on. So no, football not on the radar at all as far as the NFL is concerned. Because that's what I was warning. Like, well, so the the Redskins were the actual like team of the area. Oh yeah, unofficially, but big time. Were they? Are they the closest? I don't know. I Geography. think arguably geographically, yeah, but like culturally, that that was the thing. Like, it, there there's still a little bit of friction there. There are still like holdout really? Redskins fans in in the Carolinas for sure. Wow, dude, there aren't even Redskins fans in DC anymore. I was just yeah. say. Can confirm, yeah, right? <laughs> Oh, I, I had a question about the Hornets. Is that the Muggsy Bogues era? It is. Oh, Good memory. Yeah, um, he was the best. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the way it played out was basically like, and this is a couple of years down the road, but when the Hornets thing happened and then they fucking left and everybody was pissed. Right. Um, oh, wait. Hey, we're allowed to curse on this podcast. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> you are. Anyway, when the <laughs> fucking, fucking right. Hornets owner fucking left town. Um, <laughs> Like I was already starting to get into the Panthers, you know, they have that early burst of success in their second season. They did. Yeah, they're building some Didn't the Jaguars as well. 
but man, the Hornets leaving and then the Braves dynasty kind of falling apart. It was like perfect timing for me than going to high school. Mm. It was like then all of a sudden all in on the Panthers and the football. All right. Yeah, because yeah, like Steve, like Bobby was saying, um, the second year for both because they both came in in '95, and and both teams second year randomly, they both mm-hmm. made it to the conference championship of each, uh, each conference, obviously. Because um, Patriots playoff game against the Jaguars, where like the right. lights stadium went out because yeah. it's such a piece of shit. Yeah. So so actually, both teams lost to the obviously the eventual teams won Super Bowl, and that was the Super Bowl that the Patriots played the uh, Packers. Packers. Yeah. So, but that was kind of a, a strange thing where, it, because it was a bit of an anomaly too. They, they didn't have a winning season outside of that for yeah. a while. Like in 90, yeah. they started in 95, they had that winning season in 96. And then the next one wasn't until 2003. Who was their quarterback? Yeah. Bur- oh, man. Burline. Burline yeah. <laughs> oh. And before that, Greg? Uh, I have no idea. Started with the team. Uh, how about Bob? Do you do you know who the original starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers was? Oh, I don't remember. It was one was Kerry it? Collins. I was going to say because oh, he was right. that first pick, right? Yeah, I think so. Wait, no, I, we didn't pick him in the very no. first year, did we? Yeah, 95. But he wasn't one overall. He was five for some reason. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a whole other story with that fucking guy and his drunken nonsense. My dude used to drive. There, were, there was a report at once about him driving around Charlotte drunk, just yelling obscenities and racial slurs out the window. <laughs> really? Oh, so he fits right in in Carolina. Well, it was super annoying, actually, when he when he easy now. It was anyway. It was super annoying when he went to the Giants and like semi resuscitated his career for a few years. Everybody right. was like, "Really, this fucking washout asshole?" Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. So yeah, so we're we're kind of getting into the 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 Panthers right now in two thousand one, and this is the end of the George Seifert era. Did you have any comments about that? Because I actually read about George Seifert recently, randomly. Because I mean, when you first pitched this, like I probably would have done it no matter what the game was. But when you told me when it was, I was actually <laughs> I was actually kind of excited to do this because the thing yeah the interesting thing about this game is like. It's it's kind of interesting what we just talked about with the Jaguars connection and like the randomness and the, like the, the connections. Because hmm. then this moment was like, this was the very this this was the lowest moment in the entire franchise's history. Yeah, uh, this game could qualify, it, right? This this game truly it yeah. was like the capstone of the lowest period. So like end of Seifert, the one in fifteen mm-hmm. season that was ultra embarrassing. Uh, it was like winning that first game against Minnesota. We lost fifteen straight. Um, right. the team totally gave up on George Seifert, which is like kind of yeah. the subtext of all of it. Like truly they, they like literally weren't playing. At right. The, guys were not like showing up and trying hard guys were faking injuries. It was like super oh, embarrassing. Wow. Cause like the team had that initial high and like folks in the Carolinas were really excited. And I remember that being like a really embarrassing low point of like, are they going to lose the fan base? I actually looked this up today and prepped for this. At that final game, this game against the Pats, I think they only had 16,000 people in attendance. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so, they were, you know, well, it, was, it wasn't just that they were bad. It was like, it was that they openly gave up. And like, that yeah. was the public talking point of like how embarrassing this team and this coach and the morale were. Um, the other thing that happened here is 
the Ray Carruth thing overshadowed all this. Do you guys yes. remember that? Oh, that yeah. was this year? No, it wasn't. Well, the incident wasn't this year. That was 99. But this okay. it was still playing out. And I remember I looked it up today to confirm this. It was in this middle of this shit show season that he was actually convicted. Wow. Yeah. And so that got all dredged back up. And it was just like the fucking low point for the franchise. Yeah. Good Lord. I mean, we got Chris Wanky trotting himself out there. Yep. <laughs> oh man, the team game up. But the interesting thing is, then after this was is what began really like, I mean, in my personal like kind of experience, the golden age of Panthers football. Like, and you know, interestingly, it put us on a crossroads to meet again in that Super Bowl two years later, the Jake DeLum era. Exactly. Then Fox comes in, he cleans things up. Um, this was then me going right from the end of high school into college, and and all of those seasons, which yeah. I remember quite fondly. Yeah, and um, just to go back to Seifert real quick, I, I was reading, and yeah, no, I was reading because it's the uh, we're all in lockdown right now. But I was reading a book by Mike Lombardi, who was the old GM of the Patriots, and before mm-hmm. that, he was actually the GM of the 49ers. And his whole thing about Seifert was that because uh, he he took over for Walsh in the 49ers when they, like Bill Walsh when they were winning all those Super Bowls and everything, and they were that dynasty. And he took over from them. And basically what he was saying is that he knew how to run that system, but he didn't know how to create it himself. So Bill Walsh created the system and ran it successfully with Montana forever. Uh, and then Seifert took over and kept it going and won a Super Bowl the first year he, he in, like when he was the head coach of the 49ers, uh, got to the conference championship a few times, won another Super Bowl, and then lost in the divisional round a couple of times and then moved on. And that was like moving from Montana to young and everything like that. So I think from what I remember of him coming in, there was a lot of high hopes from, from Carolina Pan- Panthers fans. Is that, is that something you remember or am I just making that up as like an outsider? No, that's right. I mean, it was interesting because he like Richardson, who was the owner at the time, um, was like already known as a pretty patient owner. Mm. And so, you know, we started out with Dom Capers who like say what you want about the guy was like pretty popular and pretty energetic and like the team to that initial success. And like was, you know, it didn't work out and he had a bunch of like kind of bad, mediocre to bad seasons and left, but like he was generally liked and respected for like starting the franchise. Yeah. And then they, they clearly at that moment had like higher hopes and were kind of aimed big and were like, we're going to get this like coach championship pedigree yeah. We think our team yeah. around quickly and then it was just a shit show and it was really clear. This is a guy who was used to coaching basically ready-made championship teams, which newsflash was not the Carolina Panthers circa 2000. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so I think outside of this, well, actually, no, before I get to that, um, as a Panther fan, how do you view the Patriots? Like what, what do you think of the Patriots? Mm. yeah i mean and, I and say, you don't have to hold back this is a a, a pro pages podcast but where we scan the 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 whole gamut of their cheaters to the right. wrong so yeah i don't think there's honestly a lot there i mean you know that super bowl we played was you know at the end of the day it kind of gets forgotten in the in the whole big spectrum of things but like it ended up being a really exciting game um and you know we were like clear underdog in that game and ended up like coming within you know the field goal 
Yeah. And so it's not like there were like hard feelings per se. And then beyond that, it's like, then how often do we meet? You know what I mean? It's like NFC, AFC. Yeah. The only other game I really remember in all the stretch was like, I think 2013, 13 or 15, but I think 13, we had this game where we played you guys. And oh, yeah. I just remember the, the peakly <laughs> non-called yeah. hold on Gronkowski oh, yeah. in the end zone to win that game. Yeah, we all remember that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. And Brady was yelling at the refs on the way out. I remember oh, that. Super pissed. And Belichick. Super pissed. Yeah. So was it pass interference, Bob? It was... <laughs> I mean, it was definitely clearly within the boundaries of being called a hold. Okay. Fair. But you don't get every call, you know, that's, you don't, you don't get every call. It's into the game. Yeah. It's going to like make or break the, it was like clearly the game, like ending play. You're, it was home in Carolina. Yeah. It's one of those those plays, man. They're probably not calling that shit in the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. And then they review it and then they're like, ah, we're going to, let it stand. Fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, also a super fucking legit play from Keekley who knew what he was doing. Yeah. And That's true too. could have been called a hold. Yeah. And I think he probably took a calculated risk knowing that it was Gronkowski and you may as well, because there are times where he yeah, get the call. You either you either so do everything himself. you can, or this motherfucker is fucking spiking on your fucking face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was, I was looking this up too. And I feel like, outside of this one game in 2001, the Patriots and Panthers don't really play like boring games. You know, there was, uh, there was one in 2009, apparently that I don't remember at all. Where the Patriots won at home 20 to 10, but the other ones, those 2013 is what we're talking about. 24, 20 with the, the Luke Keekley. It was yep. 2017, more recently. I think that was one of um, Stephon Gilmore's first games, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, the Panthers... You got exposed. Yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. And the Panthers won that one right at the end, 33-30, on some dubious... Um, there was like a, a defensive holding penalty called after uh, Cam got sacked on third down or something like that. Mm, kept yep. the drive alive and they went and kicked the, the field goal. And then, of course, the Super Bowl. So there haven't been many games where they haven't been exciting. So I, I, I almost, when I was looking this up, kind of wanted to put the Panthers in that kind of low-key uh, nemesis isn't the right word, but just kind of like it is almost a bit of a rivalry even though they don't play each other very often. It's true, although this this game and that team are long dead. I mean, I would now, thinking back about this, put Panthers history in three eras. And this game was the very – this was the dead end of the first era of Panthers football. Okay. And then the John Fox era was really the second era. And then the, like, Ron Rivera, Cam Newton era, which honestly maybe is now – maybe we call it the end of the third era right now. Yeah. Anyway, those, those are the eras so far. Yeah. Hmm. And apparently that uh... – the Panthers have sold out every home game since 2002. So starting in that second era. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense from my perspective, from a like upward trajectory of the franchise. And like what I said about the Redskins thing earlier, like that was like, that was an actual conscious narrative by the franchise. At the time. Like they knew they were constantly under threat to actually win fans over. 
and there were a lot of conscious decisions. So calling them the Carolina Panthers was a very calculated decision. Like they've been in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Charlotte's, you know, somewhere on the border, but it was very conscious to try to grow a large fan base, knowing they had an uphill battle to climb with college basketball, with the Redskins, with baseball. Um, and honestly, it's really since 2002 and up that they've actually been able to successfully, like they basically put that argument to rest that they weren't going to be able to thrive as a small market franchise. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, so is Charlotte Panthers town? Just because, oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Raleigh, Raleigh, Durham, not really in my experience. Because, so I live in Durham and that is definitely like college basketball. Yep. Like UNC, sense. Duke, NC State are definitely the highest priority. Is that 100%. Football fans that are local are probably, they're like, yeah, I'm a Panthers fan, but it's not like you get Patriots fans back home who are like ride or die, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's totally true. And I think that that part of the state will always put college sports first and foremost. I think Charlotte and Western North Carolina are different. And honestly, the thing that gets forgotten to what I just said is like a huge part of their fan base is South Carolina, which has always been more football territory anyway. Yeah. Um, And like they do draw a huge base of their support there. Um, Particularly like the black portion of the fan base is really, really heavily draws on like black population of South uh, Carolina, which is part of the reason why cam has been such a big deal. Yeah. So are you are you glad Cam's gone? No, I'm super sad. Good. Hey, we get it. No, it's it's a very it's a very sad moment for the franchise and for everybody. Yep. Good. It's, what do you think I, about Bridgewater? I mean, it's a savvy signing. Like you know, if you look at the market and where the league's at right now, sure, it's like a decent contract. It's like it makes sense. And like, you know, you got to view this through the prism of newish owner who wants to make his mark and new coach. Sure. Fine. But but at the same time, from a standpoint of what we've accomplished, like it's tough and it's really sad to see things in this way. And, you know, the injuries really derailed the last two years. And like, I still look back on that stupid ass preseason game last season when they played Cam and didn't need to, and he hurt his foot. Yeah. Against the pass. Um, against the pass. And it's just like, you can't help but wonder how things play out differently with everybody, with Ron, with Cam this season. Mm-hmm. It's like hard to stomach that. And I've been a little on the outside of it the past year and a half, but it's just, it's just tough thinking about it should have played out differently. And Cam, uh, Cam I mean, I would posit Cam's the most important player in franchise history in many ways. And he doesn't get, I think in retrospect, it'll be interesting to see how his narrative plays out because it's tough because he's been under constant fire the whole time that he's been our quarterback. And a lot of it has been undeserved in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if he, he doesn't like do himself that many favors with his no, my dude puts his foot in his mouth five <laughs> times a season. But. And he, the way, like his, have you seen his like cryptic uh, font? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. font is so stupid. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, if I could talk to Cam, I would be like, hey, man, look, I love you. And let me tell you all the reasons why I'm a huge fan. Also, let me tell you three stupid ass things you do that don't help the cause, man. Can you just cut that shit out? <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear the three things, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the the fucking Instagram font or whatever it is, and, you know, I don't do the social media thing, but the, I know what the font is, and it's mm. dumb. Um, I don't know, man. The top hats. I, 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 no, you know, the fashion thing's interesting. I I think it's more the like he didn't do himself favors early on with like 
the pouting. And it's like, hey, man, it's actually good for you to be fucking pissed, but you're not taking notes on how that's accepted. Like, Brady can be pissed, but, like, you you can't, you can't, it, it just came across as pouty early in his career. And I think it's from a guy who like was used to just being successful. Yeah. Um, and like, honestly, it, the thing that the narrative that was wrong was that it impacted the team. Cause I really don't think it ever did. I think that the players always had his back and understood where he's coming from and took it the right way of my dude really fucking wants to win. Um, but from a broader narrative standpoint, he just like that, that shit really sank him. But then, I mean, we could spend a whole nother podcast going into how, the, the way which all of this shit was unfairly judged through a, through a lens of race and like the way his like charisma and sort of defiance and like fashion, like mm-hmm. honestly all of that stuff is like, he's really unfairly criticized for. Sounds yeah. like you just saw your own podcast, Bob. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe one day. <laughs> you have plenty of time on your hands. <laughs> all right. So my last question, we may have already touched on this. Um, what is your favorite Patriots-Panthers game? Mm. Favorite Patriots-Panthers game. Uh, yeah, we kind of talked through them a little bit. Mm. I I mean, the honorable mention, that 2013 game I remember well. Ellie and I were living in Williamsburg. I was watching on my TV. And I remember, you know, you have those memories watching a football or any sports where, like, a game happens and, like, you win or, or whatever happens and, like, you just have that fucking high. Like I remember I, it was like, it was like, I think it was Sunday night football and it was like mad fucking it late. It was like it 11. Was. I had to be up ridiculously early for school the next year. I drank like fucking eight beers or something. <laughs> and I was like, this is stupid. I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. But I had to just, I just like had to go out. I like went and fucking took a walk around the neighborhood and put my headphones in. So I was just so jacked up. Um, and I just remember that. But that, I mean, I still can't put that in first place because, like, that Super Bowl yeah. in 2003 just meant so much. Like, it really just sparked. For me personally, it sparked, like, a turbocharged phase of, like, I mean, I would say Panthers in football, but honestly, sports fandom in general. Like, mm. I don't, without that, I don't know if I become a read ESPN every, several times every day kind of sports fan. I really don't. Yeah, I would agree with you. That probably what happened to me, too, in 2001 with the Patriots. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be some parallel there, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've always thought that of like, would I be a huge football slash Patriots fan if it wasn't for the Pats? Because it's like, it was Red Sox City before all this happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the the Patriots are always that laughing stock of, you know, they'll eventually fuck this up somehow. It's just a matter of how they're going to do it. Yeah. Which I think is probably pretty common in a lot of, a lot of towns with a lot of sports too, you know, a lot of teams. I was like Bob with the Bruins when I was a little kid. I have my first Bruins game ticket for 97 when the Fleet Center opened. Oh, yeah. I remember the Fleet that. Center. <laughs> yeah, right? Jesus, that's a throwback. All right, do you boys have any other questions for Bob? Oh, yeah. All right, let's hear it. Uh, who's your favorite Panthers player, both all-time and now? Mm. All-time is Steve Smith. Um, of course. I like he he really represented that second era of Panthers football in so many ways. It was like the underdog status, the chip on his shoulder. It was the fact that like the Panthers don't have a lot of swagger, but Steve Smith had a fucking mountain of swagger and wasn't afraid to tell you. Um, there's just so many moments like uh, I, I always remember the moment when he like destroyed Fred Smoot on the Vikings and ruined his career and told him to ice up after the game. 
I forgot um, about that. <laughs> but in the in the playoff run, they went to the Super Bowl. The play that I'll always remember is we played the Rams in the divisional round, and it went to like double overtime. Yeah, and that was like low key. You know, it's interesting. It was past the like um, greatest show on turf Rams, but it was still like kind of the remnants of that with Mark Bulger. And they were twelve and four that year, and like on paper, a lot better than us. Hmm. And I remember double overtime. I just remember the it was like I, I think it was the first play of double overtime, and it was just like Steve Smith, um, straight up slant route up, like cut through the cornerback and the safety, just streaking down the field, catching the ball into the end zone. And like I was watching the play at some friend's house, and uh, things got heated. Right, it was a back and forth <laughs> game. Um, but I, I'll, I'll never forget that play. And I remember my friend's mom after that. We were over there with a bunch of guys, not all of whom were actually football fans. It was like me and my friend Daniel and a bunch of other kids we just hung out with. And after the game, my friend, like everybody gradually moved away from the room that I was watching the game in because of, you know, my composure. Um, <laughs> I, get I remember it. my friend's mom saying to me later after that game, she's like, if the Panthers had, if the Panthers had lost this game, I don't, I don't think I would have let, my sons hang out with you anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely Steve Smith. Like yeah. he's, he's in my mind, the most iconic player in franchise history. And funnily um, enough, really, his first yeah. season was this 2001 season. It was, it was, and made the pro bowl as a, as a return man. Exactly. Um, yeah. But then 2003 was the super bowl season was really his breakout as a receiver. Yeah. Yeah. When he actually started um, to catch balls. Yeah. Current. I mean, if we're counting last season, um, I mean, wow, Keekly, it's just like, I'm not ready to process his retirement. So I'll, I'll put All that right. there. But honestly, like also low key, like Greg Olson, and he's one of the rare players who's come to the Panthers, who has a transplant, who wasn't drafted by us has become, mm-hmm. I would argue like in the, like, I would might go so far as like top 10 Pantheon in terms of like important voices for the franchise. Wow. Wait, who drafted Greg Olson? Uh, the bears. Oh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I've always associated him with the Panthers. Yeah, you see, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and I don't. I can't really think of another guy for the Panthers who's in that level with the franchise who we didn't draft. Like they low key have had a lot of success with like franchise level players they've drafted. Yeah, but transplants true. not so much, um, which is why I think Olson stands out so much. And like it's also an indicator of like how sour things have gotten in the past three to four years with ownership and, yeah. and the management that like he went out pretty vocally being like, yeah, fuck these guys. And like when Cam posted his shit about recently about like, don't try to pretend like I asked you for this trade, oh, Olsen, right. like responded to that shit and was like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and like Olson has enough capital to publicly fucking call the team out on shit like that. But anyway, sad to see both of those guys go. So it's it's kind of almost feels like another parallel with the Patriots this year, and it feels like they're almost kind of cleaning house as well with with Brady leaving and everybody else seeming to be getting signed otherwise. Yeah, new era, man. Yeah. So we feel who's your love. Your, who's your least favorite Panther? <laughs> mm, also, oh, Steve Smith. <laughs> That's a really interesting question. Oh man, there's a lot. <laughs> the I'm fact that you haven't already that. said right top ten, Bob. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think about that for a moment of like who pissed me off the most over Jimmy, the years. Jimmy Clausen. Clausen was just like not to even be considered a you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> this guy, get the fuck out. Um least favorite Panther. 
man, who was really frustrating over the years? I mean, Greg Hardy, but that was more like. What an idiot. Yeah. yeah not like tough. frustrating as much as like, fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah, no, what a, what a, what a just like not good person. Um, I would say least favorite Panther. I'm trying to figure out the guys that they're always the guys who you never trusted, right? Like in the yeah. big moment who were always like, you know what? You just, nope, get off the field. Like a Rochelle type of guy. Yeah, I would say every number two receiver in Panthers history because they've all sucked, <laughs> except for Musin Muhammad. Yeah, that's funny. That's a good one. <laughs> it is true. And if you if you look at like that team that Cam Newton took to the Super Bowl, the fifteen and one team, oh, what man. a joke! Yeah, their receiving core is laughable. It's truly. <laughs> Give me so, some names, yeah. Greg. It's it was. Uh, I mean, Ted Ginn was basically the number one. Ted Ginn. Yeah. Um, About ten touchdowns that season. Devin Funchess, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And then from there, it's dudes like you wouldn't even recognize their name. <laughs> no. Holy shit. Let's see. Yeah. All right. So uh, top receiving guys. Let's do it by yards. Uh, Greg Olson led the team in receiving yards. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Ted Ginn. Jericho Cotchery. Oh, that's right. Swan Song Cotchery. I love Cotchery. That's an NC State guy. Oh, there you go. Homegrown boy. Uh, Devin Funches and then Corey Brown. <laughs> Who? Oh, our cousin. Vaguely familiar. They call them Philly Brown. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, Philly that's, Brown. A, yeah, a bunch of dudes that really didn't really didn't have business starting in the NFL, much less on the Super Bowl team. Yeah, yeah you're not kidding. And after that, uh, your fullback, Mike Tolbert. Tolbert, love Tolbert. Uh, he went to the uh, Pro Bowl that year, apparently. Yeah, Tolbert. Tolbert was good people. <laughs> His impact was probably overstated on the field, but he was he was good people. That's fair. So here's a uh, here's just a little tidbit for you. Just you, you can uh, take to your Panthers parties. Steve Smith, you know his, his actual name. Mm. Stevon no. Stevon Latrall Smith. So there you go. You want to need, know uh, Ray Caruth's real name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ray Ray Lamar Theotis Wiggins. Right. Wait. What? Yeah. His last name's like Caruth. Uh, I think it was his stepdad or something like that. Uh, I mean, low key. There's been a lot of controversy. Like that, that shit's been stirred up in the last year or two because he got released from jail like a did. year or two ago. Yeah. Oh, did I know that? Yeah, yes. and then basically decided to continue being a really awful person in the public eye. Like he started off with, he's like, you know what, I'm going to apologize, and then took that apology really south. Uh, um, <laughs> I, how much do you, do you guys remember? Didn't know the story. I, I read about it a bit today. The headline is he paid a guy, a friend of his, to um, shoot, like do a drive-by shooting at the car of his girlfriend who was pregnant with his eight-month-old unborn child. And so she dies. They do an emergency C-section, deliver the baby. The baby, however, had like cerebral palsy and other things because it spent like 70 minutes without air oxygen during this whole process. 
anyway, the baby is still alive. He's a, he's a guy. His name's Chancellor. He's alive now. His grandmother, the girl's mom, is taking care of him. This motherfucker, Ray Carruth, gets out of jail and has the gall to be like, guys, I want to apologize. And also, I'd like to get custody of my son. And everybody's like, <laughs> like Charlotte, wow. lost, Charlotte lost his fucking mind. I can't imagine why. It's like, hey, man, you spent 19 years in prison. You just quietly fucking disappear somewhere? Jesus Christ. Jesus. That's pretty bad. Anyway, so that's ongoing. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. There's a new leader in the clubhouse for Lee's favorite Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's never really an argument if you come down to it. Like, he, truly tarnished, he truly tarnished the franchise in a way that was like, I don't see anybody topping that. Yeah. He was a first round pick too. He was. Wow. Was he any good on the field? He was for one season, and then he was, like, injured and shit. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah, he didn't put up much numbers. All right. Fuck him. <laughs> so, Bob, are the Patriots your number two team now? Or is it, like, the North Carolina Panthers and Buffalo? Steve. Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve, there's no such thing as a number two team. That's the there, are 30, there are 32 teams, and you cheer for one, and you don't cheer for the other 31. All right, well, that's my, uh, that's my philosophy. Let me tweak that a little bit. Um, are you going to root for Cam Newton wherever he goes this year? That's the conversation going, we've been having with Brady. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope Cam does well because I really think he deserves a shot. I think if he gets healthy, I think he can be good. And no, I want, I want Cam to do well. I'm not gonna cheer for his team, but I hope Cam does well. And I think it's important that he does well. What if he goes to the Patriots? Then will you cheer for his team? I'm not going to cheer for his team. No, I've already made this clear, Steve. Um, but I will support Cam, and I, I hope he does well. But what about your wife and your two daughters? I mean, they're all Patriots fans. Yeah, that, that's that's fine. I don't I don't I don't support them in that. She's such a supportive dad and husband. God, Bob. I know. I'm not going to win. Sorry, dad guys, I am who I am. All right, transitioning that to my next question: Who's your favorite brother-in-law? <laughs> all right let's uh let's roll off of that who's your least favorite brother there we go is it just based on this podcast or in general uh do both yeah great great yeah i'm gonna you know what this is gonna be lengthy i'm on the podcast i'm gonna start next i'm gonna do an episode on this all right so you guys have to stay tuned oh i love it all right. Well, we've kept you long enough away from your family. But we appreciate you doing this, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Indeed, this has been great. Yeah. Uh, uh, hope, hope the hope the game talk is uh, hope the game talk is as good as the the prelude. Oh, it 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 usually isn't, but yes, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and we don't really talk about the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. But I think uh, we'll have to have you back the next time we talk about the Panthers because that will be in two thousand three in the Super Bowl count me in so all right love it and this time we'll actually have you on for like the whole game because that one is actually probably one you'll want to watch indeed cool all right thanks a lot bob thanks bob thanks dudes carry on talk to you soon i guess we're back i don't know how to transition out of that (laughs) i don't remember how we ended it so thanks bobby it's week 17 you don't even have your transitions down yet andy jesus i do but not for uh interviews because they haven't ever done one before it's a good point yeah so 
All right. Well, I guess now that Bobby has told us how much the 2001 Carolina Panthers have sucked, we should probably start there, don't you think? I was I was personally surprised at how uh, little I knew about the Panthers, for one, and also that this was kind of their lowest of the low moments in history. And then, like when Bobby said, because I hadn't watched the game when we did the the interview, and when Bobby said that there was only like what sixteen thousand people at this game. Oh yeah, it seemed like less. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like I don't even think it was half that, and of those. They were saying like 60% were Patriots fans. I will say, though, you said they quit on the team, and they actually played pretty hard for a 1-14 team. I thought it was like, you know, you see the end score, which I don't forget what it was, but it was a shitload to nothing, and you're like, wow, we just rolled them over right away. But it really wasn't like that. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that in the first half, I thought they competed. Definitely did. So the the second half was hot garbage. They were really Pro awful. Football Reference says it's the attendance was seventy one thousand. I was going to bring that up. No way, because I looked it up to to get an actual number. Yes, yeah, it's seventy one thousand nine hundred and seven. Maybe as a typo, it's supposed to be one seven instead of seven <laughs> one. I mean, maybe they sold that many tickets, but there was like there was it was empty. You would like look at the lower bowl and you'd see some people sitting at the top of the lower bowl, and you're like, "What are you doing? Move down." Yeah. It, so it reminded me of the few games, uh, MLS games I've gone to at Gillette Stadium for like the Revolution back in the day when you get free tickets because they couldn't sell them. How, how dare you disrespect the Rebs like that? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just. I'm just equating this where they would shut down the top bowl so that it wouldn't look as empty, and they put oh, everybody right. on one side of the field. Yeah. Yeah. yeah opposite yeah. the camera. Yeah. <laughs> The Redskins do that too. They've like blocked off part of their upper bowl. Right, exactly. Like they've like put like permanent like fencing. Remember, Greg, when we went, we were sitting against that fencing. Yes. Like beats behind us and they had like, it was like, like chain link fenced and like tarps over it. Jesus. So it was like, to like have their percentage full be higher. Yeah. They were, they were social distancing before it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) 10 years before it was cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, a bit about these Panthers, and we've heard a little bit from Bobby already. But um, as we discussed, there they would finish one in fifteen, which the commentators pointed out nicely at the end of this game that they won their first game of the season and then went on to lose the rest of them, and that was the longest uh, losing streak in an NFL season ever. Nobody had lost more than fifteen games in a row. Then the Lions were like, "Hold my beer." Right. Eventually, that would be broken uh, a few years after this. But that was for uh, a single season, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For for one okay. season, it was the mo- It was the longest losing streak in one season. Who has the longest losing streak ever? Is it the old Bucks or was it the Lions? I guess the Bucks. I think it's the Bucks. Yeah, I agree. All the Browns. I don't know what theirs look like. Those two years where they went one and thirty-two. That's got to be up there, depending on when that win came. Because then they go one and fifteen, and then zero and sixteen the next year. I'm gonna say the Bucks, because fuck the Bucks. Yeah, there was. Like, I think I looked right, it up briefly, you. and it was like twenty three straight games or something. <laughs> That's not great. Uh, yeah, we talked about um, George Seifert already. Well, not anymore. They got Brady now. They're about to go on a twenty three game winning streak. 
What no, was longer, the Bucks losing streak or the Patriots winning streak when they went like what was it oh three oh four, where they won a ton in a row? One in a row, right? I believe it was. They did win a shitload in a row. I remember that. I think it was twenty one in a row. That's the longest active NFL win streak. Yes. Or all time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you could say the Patriots have the most. The longest single season winning streak as well because they won 18 games in a season. That's true. So, um, I was, I was looking up uh, the best the best way to describe their season. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been on Urban Thesaurus, but it's fucking awesome. Wait, there's an Urban Thesaurus? Really? Yeah, where it just gives you like equivalent words. I only oh, knew about the dictionary. I, yeah, yeah, I do. Too. I suggest you go to Urban Thesaurus at some point because it's so <laughs> funny. So I put in dumpster fire. <laughs> some of this shit is hilarious. Trash oh, debate. Some- <laughs> Hobo salad. <laughs> the dead man's dumpster diving. Oh, boy. Necropyro bestiality. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting darker <laughs> as you go along. Alaskan fire dragon, libido sewer. Fuck. <laughs> I could read this shit all day. There's like 600 <laughs> of them. Oh my God. I think I might have a new podcast idea. Yeah. Anal backdraft. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I did not know about the subside. This whole podcast has been worth it just for that one little nugget of knowledge. Yeah. Right? I wish we knew this so we could ask Bobby that question of what better describes this season. Of these four options, what would you choose? Dumpster fire, anal backdraft, what were the other ones? I don't think pseudo pyro homo necro bestialiac. All right, now we're getting crazy. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of dumpster fires, this coaching staff, uh, we talked about George Seifert already. Some of the other coaches you may recognize. Mike McCoy, remember him? Chargers coach from like 2013, 2016. Uh, he was their wide receivers coach. And then also Greg Roman, you might recognize, who is currently the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. And that record today. All right. He's in high yeah. demand. He yes, really he is. is. Yeah. He wasn't back then, if you look at this <laughs> offense. Uh, because I I did my best to come up with names for you guys on this offense. There really aren't any. The Winky Man. Yeah. A former Heisman winner, is that what they said? Yeah, apparently he was really good in college. Yeah. And uh the the uh, who are the the commentators? The commentator duo of Kevin Harlan and Craig James. Our own Craig James were doing this game. I did. I actually liked them. Me too. I like Craig yeah. James. Yeah, they, were, they did all right. Um, and yeah. that's coming from Andy. You know they were great. They're definitely not the A team, though. I will say that. And and I think they knew it, so they were just having fun with it, which is why. Right. Like when he calls out the block, like the on the touchdown run that got called back. Yeah. And then rest immediately. He's like, "What a great block!" Like in the play, and then, yeah, yeah I'll be on that guy. He's like, oh. Yeah, the one on Compton. Yeah, yeah. There's some. I love Compton wearing the visor. It's like, oh. like drizzling 
overcast in yeah. December. There's snow in North Carolina. Got the visor on. Yeah, it was. It was like 36 degrees and like freezing rain and you could see snow around the sidelines and stuff. Yeah. I don't think it snowed down there, Greg. I'm surprised anybody was able to get to the stadium. Once a right? year. I figured they would have shut down the state. <laughs> so Chris Winkie, fun fact, he spent six years at the Blue Jays before going to Florida State. So he was you know twenty what? he was twenty six. No shit. When he enrolled at Florida State. So he must have been, I don't know, close to thirty by the time yeah, he got drafted. Because I remember that. He was what was the other guy that from Oklahoma State? From, Brandon the guy Whedon. from the Browns. Yes, yes Brandon Weed. Yeah, he was the same type of, type of guy. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it didn't help him much that that, uh, that time in the on the Blue Jays. I don't think his completion percentage. I looked it up. Was fifty four percent on the year <laughs> for the Panthers. I, mean, the I think Drew Bledsoe averaged fifty six. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound right. That sounds out there. low. That sounds low. 54 is not great. It's he's, He completes just barely one of every two passes. Um, and all, a lot of those are to the other team. He had 11 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. Yeah, he threw a couple of bad pick sixes in this game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he threw more than a couple. He just got lucky that one of them got called back for holding on the return. The one that Ty Law was so bad, though. Oh, yes, none, I mean, none the, of them. The were second good. one, like, got deflected, right? And that's you can yeah. call it unlucky. It wasn't a great throw, but a little unlucky. The uh, one to tie off, it's just awful. Yeah, so th- he just, I don't know if it's a, a a flaw of his that nobody knew about, but the guy couldn't throw an out pattern to save his life. Literally, was every like single interception long. that he threw was on an out pattern, and he just hit the defensive back right in the hands with nobody in front of him. Oh, yeah, no, nobody. Guy, I did. I have a note here about Steve Smith was a guy who was in targeting, and this was rookie year. And Bobby said it yeah. took him a couple of years to figure it out. I don't know. Steve Smith flashing in this game. A little he well, fumbled. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So, uh, like Bobby was saying, Steve Smith's first few years was more of a, a kick returner, and went to the Pro Bowl for kick returns in this season. But his kick returning in this game was god awful. Awful. Felt like every time he, I mean, and there was a bunch of kickoffs. The Patriots scored. 38 points in this game and every single one of them he ran directly into the nearest defender and got just ragdolled every time it felt like yeah like, he but like as a receiver he was pretty solid i mean he had that one big play that got called back yep he was i have a note on here he's he's spinning the ball down 31 <laughs> <laughs> literally every <laughs> time he, he caught the ball have a good play he would yeah. he would catch it near the sidelines uh instead of stepping out he would hit the guy uh, the defender and try to like lower shoulder into him and get knocked out of bounds anyway because he's so small and then spin the ball and start yapping. Like yeah, he's not I mean that's like classic. Thirty-one Steve. to six, yeah. So until forever, As, yeah, hundred percent compete, hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I will say uh, there weren't many plays that I thought he was butthole naked open. It's an interesting way to describe naked, but sure. That was his quote. Remember. Yeah. Wow. yeah. They made the mistake of putting him behind a desk at a halftime <laughs> show. <laughs> Which, I don't know what gave them the idea that that would go well. I don't either. But, but I think that was his quote was you got to, yeah, something about being butthole naked open. We talked about ad nauseum in the, uh, the, the episode where we're all together. Yeah, Steve. Come on. 
Pay attention. No, I was drinking a lot in that episode. (laughs) No kidding. Didn't show it all. Don't worry. I like I like him because he's like, you know, there's a lot of like false bravado in the NFL. You know, the Josh Normans of the world. Yeah, the come at me bros. Yeah, he strikes me as like legitimate crazy man bravado where yeah. oh yeah he authentically yeah. believes he's that much better than everybody <laughs> yeah and I, I i would i would be willing to bet that he would fight literally anyone yeah like a him under, yeah, just just thinking he would be able to to win every fight do you think to is in that like how do you how you put to to was a bit self-aware for me you know yeah similar but not the same more like he knew Rocky what he was Harrison doing almost. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He was he was like playing the media to a certain degree. Oh, definitely. Whereas Steve Smith is just like he's out of his mind. Yeah, I think Tio was more of a showman. Yeah. Like he was gonna put on a show and he was talented enough to do that. Like he was gonna pull the Sharpie out of his sock or go stand on the the star in Dallas, you know, that sort of Yeah, show. that's fair. Who else is an authentic crazy man? Bravado. Yeah, like who's the closest comp to that? Heinz Ronnie Ward Harrison's always struck me as like that. Nah, he's too quiet. Yeah, yeah he was too. Quiet. But he was, he was fearless though. You know? Oh yeah, in the same yeah. way that Steve Smith is. Hmm. I actually wrote a, I wrote a blog on it, Andy. You did uh, on what? On Steve Smith? It was actually on Jalen Ramsey when he was being a clown. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What's our website called? (laughs) Brownbrosports.com. Should probably know that. (laughs) Apparently you've been writing uh, recently too, huh? (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Isn't it, uh, isn't it linked on the Patriots dynasty site as well? Uh, maybe. I don't know. know. Did you even read the blog I wrote recently? Based on the blog recently. Yeah, I have about Alex Van Pelt. No, I didn't know you wrote it. Yeah, it's a, the title of the blog is Alex Van Pelt is your wife's favorite player. <laughs> and I, it's just, there's not many words in it. It's just pictures of him looking like a stud. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last thing even read, our friends could read. Yeah, the Fifty Shades of Rex or whatever it was. That's when it started getting weird. Yeah. <laughs> that was when it started it. getting good. <laughs> yeah, and then you stopped writing. Oh, Kobe Bryant. He's another one that was like Ooh, authentic. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a great comp. Yeah. What about um, Pedro? He's also a little quiet. Uh, eh, he wasn't really, though. But Manny to T.O., there's a good comp. Yeah. I'll give you that. Manny, like, putting on a show. All right, uh, speaking of the Panthers game, way the fuck off track yet again. Um, Any other names you guys recognized? Uh, I I tried to put together a list. I did not recognize was their running back. Richard Huntley. Yeah. Dude, what was his final stat line? It was a lot. He was crushing them, though. Uh, he, he had like 100 yards by like mid-second quarter. 21 carries, 168 rushing yards. Yeah, and like 100 of those plus came by 
in the first quarter and a half. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, like, is it was a close game. So just for uh, some context, he led the led the team in rushing with 665 yards. And he got 170. <laughs> he got almost 170 in this game. Oh my god! Yeah, they had the worst rushing offense in the league, and they're sitting there just gashing the Patriots over and over. Yeah, like we fumbled on the one yard line, right? Yep. So there was yeah, there yeah, was they kicked, yeah, like three and gold goals and got a field goal out of it or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So the first drive, the Patriots had uh, like they got first and goal from like the four or the five, uh, and they actually scored a, the touchdown that you talked about, but they got called back for holding Mike Compton on the fantastic yep. block that Craig James had, uh, and then they end up settling for field goal, and then uh, like a few plays later. Winky throws his first pick six of the game. Yep. Ty Law, who outruns Steve Smith, which I thought was pretty cool. Gave Steve Smith he, a stiff arm on the if way. If you need a visual of that pick six, just yeah. imagine the one in the Super Bowl on the other side of the field. Yeah. It's basically yeah, the same sure. thing. Out route. Yep. The guy throws it behind the receiver. Ty Law just yep. catches it. Except Chris Winky wasn't it. pressured at all and just threw a terrible pass. <laughs> That's so true. true. Um, and so they get the they get the ball back, and literally the next play, Winky throws another what should have been a pick six, yeah, to Otis Smith, which only wasn't because it got called back for holding on the return by whoever the defender was. Um, so the Pats get the ball in like on the thirty-five, convert a fourth and two, get to fourth and goal, like the two, and as Antoine Smith is running into the end zone, he fumbles it on the goal line. And the Panthers recover. Then, like their first play from that quarter went. Play from the one yard line was a handoff to that dude, and he ran to like the twenty five. Then they gave him to like the forty five, and this is like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it was. He he was basically the entire Panthers' offense, Mm -hmm. the entire game, really. Um, yeah, he had more rushing yards than. Winky at passing yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he stopped getting the ball in the second quarter, too, which is crazy. Yeah. They got down so bad. It was not great. Yeah, Carolina finished with 193 total rushing yards, which is brutal. And no touchdowns. Um, but the name of the game was turnovers. Carolina had six of them. <sighs> To the Patriots three, which still not yeah. great. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt about this, but watching this game, I didn't think I can see how this team won the Super Bowl because, like you said, going yeah, into no, this, I... you know, the this game is uh, absolute drubbing. It ends thirty-eight to six, and you're like, oh yeah, I, I I feel like I remember them just like beating the shit out of the Panthers, and kind of in the passing defense, yeah, because the. Patriots defense outscored the Panthers offense technically because they had two pick sixes. But they were getting gashed in the run and the commentators were talking about how you know they have to worry about I think it was the Steelers running game and the Ravens as well who had won the Super Bowl the year before. You don't want to you don't want to face them the and all bus. that stuff. Right, exactly. Well, I mean yeah. I think it was like you can if you look at it from like Belichick's view, right? Where like complimentary football and it's not just about the off because the offense was not very good. But there is a you know, the defense 
the they punted and got him down to the one, right? And then the defense held him, and then they punted it too far, and Troy Brown took that to the house. And that's like defense, Steve. special teams creates defense, creates special teams, it creates touchdown, blah, blah, blah. Steve, I was gonna make the same point. Damn. Unbelievable. 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 I had it written down in my notes. Belichick football. It was actually a very similar return to that Steelers game. Yeah, very astute of you, Steve. It was too deep, (laughs) and then Troy took it right up the gut. And then you're like, is the punter going to get him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, as soon as you got past that first wave, there wasn't somebody within like 20 yards of Troy Brown. Has Troy Brown ever been tackled by a punter or kicker? Probably not. Never. Because he's never really returned a kick against Adam Vinatieri, apparently. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Oh, that would be. That would be a matchup I'd want. Oklahoma see. drill with Vinatieri. <laughs> <and Troy Brown. laughs> like in twenty twenty two, like current Troy Brown and current Adam Vinatieri, that'd be amazing. My money's on current Troy Brown. I don't care. Oh, yeah, Troy Brown, he's shifty, man. <laughs> well, he's our cousin. You got a bet on him. I guess. Well, uh, speaking of Troy Brown, this is probably a good time to bring this up. He was playing uh, like in front of his family. They were talking about how, yeah, I think it was in the paper that he, like this, because he's from, uh, I think he's from North Carolina. Do we stat check I mean, this? I'm going to keep getting Rex confused. I, don't, I honestly don't care about the fact that there's two Carolinas. No offense, Greg. I mean, you can take offense if you want. I don't really you don't care. care that there's two? I, I do, but I, I don't care to. If somebody tells me they're from one of them, I, I'm not going to remember which one. They're culturally very different, Andy. Maybe you That's should fine. read a book. Not about the Carolinas. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> Get your dick uh, out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, so he, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Troy Brown comes, uh, comes home to his home state. Uh, they're talking about how he bought like a hundred tickets for this game for like friends and family, and I think he brought like a pee wee football team in the game or something like that. Um, and this was a great game to watch if you're a Troy Brown fan. Like I said, he had that 61 yard punt return for a touchdown. He also eventually set the all time Patriots single season reception record, which, if you remember, it was like, I think it was like right before the half. And yeah. he made the catch that that set the record, but then it got challenged and overturned because he didn't completely catch it. And they kept like showing him the camera on him. He's just like laughing and smiling. You can tell he's like kind of pissed off and doesn't want to show. He's like, God, that was that was a fucking record. And then when he did it, they didn't say shit either. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it didn't happen much longer afterwards, but yeah, so, no, like, video montage. I was, yeah. I was expecting oh. something. I mean, with Drew Brees, they stopped the fucking game and, like, <laughs> goddamn plaque out there. Where's Troy Brown's plaque? Dude, I true. Oh, and man, that, that was the worst. They did it again this year, too. Oh, brutal. When he did the touchdown record this year? Yeah. No, no, no. The regular season touchdown record. Yeah. Right. Exactly. On a Monday night game. And I had friggin' Michael Thomas. <laughs> it was the last... <laughs> And they just pulled them in like the second quarter. <laughs> it was like 38 nothing, And all the announcers would talk about is Drew Brees. Of course. Wow. Yeah. I was so mad. But back to why this is a great Troy Brown game hmm. is that Antoine Smith uh, running touchdown. Like, I think it was the first touchdown for the hmm. offense. 
quarter. A long you one. Watch, Troy Brown has his guy, the cornerback, on like roller skates, and he's like pushing him all the way back in the end zone from like 25 yards out. Oh, yeah. That's classic Troy Brown right there, just blocking like a beast on the edge to get Tuan in the untouched exactly end zone. Right, yeah. It's also a good tie law game. It was a great tie law game. I thought it was was a fantastic Otis Smith game. He had two picks, which technically returned both for a touchdown. One got called back. He broke up a ton of deep passes. We probably should have had like three or four picks in this game. He just can't catch. But and uh, I was going to say it was for my best, but um, there was one play where he was lined up on the far side of the field. And he he came on a corner blitz, and you got to watch the entire thing unfold, and it felt like watching um like a National Geographic thing where you could like yeah, the lion see the, the lion like hunting like coming down on the on the prey. And you're like, oh, he's gonna get him. He's gonna get him. He better throw that football. And Chris Winkie just didn't even feel him like for a second. And he got yeah. lit up. That was that was just fantastic television. Yeah, Gazelle is perfect not camera the, angle and everything. Yeah. So, I have I have a note on here that missed tackle by Winky and then the high step pick six that's Otis's like pick six in the fourth quarter. Yeah, is the gif of Winky's career. You think so? Yeah, to sum it up. Hey, you're great in the pros, but then down thirty-one-six, make it thirty-one-eight, make your third pick six of the game. Uh, yes, it's, Winky it wasn't the poo. Because <laughs> he was never any good, right? No, no, not in the NFL. Rip Van Winky, <laughs> nicely done. Are you just coming up with these, or are these already existing? Oh no, Chris! I dumb. wish, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer Winky. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're finding somewhere, Greg. Oh, he's digging deep for these. He's up <laughs> to his elbow. It's a website called The Berman Files. No, it isn't. You hear, you hear a name like Winky, and you're like, "There's a nickname for that." <laughs> yeah, you're know? all amazing websites today. Oh yeah, I know, right? I we'll have to put all these links in the in the show notes so that other people can. can oh, there was one. Yeah. There was one more. I didn't want to interrupt you guys on the. Uh... Where was oh, the, Yeah, so the dumpster fire one, mm-hmm. purple-headed Christian meat missile. <laughs> How does that have anything to do with dumpster fire? Who knows, dude? But it's just sometimes <laughs> words go well together. Yeah, get, give me that one more time. Purple-headed Christian meat missile. <laughs> oh Kirk God. Cousins' real name. Yeah. <laughs> that was his nickname in high school. <laughs> Holy shit! Ooh. No, oh, I have one more th- thing about Troy Brown. Um, that I forgot to bring up at the beginning of this and before we get sidetracked again. Uh, before this game, um, Pro Bowlers were announced. Brady and Malloy both made the Pro Bowl, but Troy Brown didn't, which is kind of bullshit because he had like one of the best seasons receiving yeah. in the league and he was also like, yeah, exactly. So um, there's a Boston Globe article about it and everybody was pissed for him apparently. And uh, this is what the the Globe had to say. His friends and fans were angry upon learning Troy Brown had been overlooked for the AFC Pro Bowl team, but not Brown himself. 
No big deal, said Brown, who will officially be named an alternate to the Pro Bowl later this week. There are a lot of great players who were selected ahead of me. There's nothing I can say about it. A lot of guys in here on the team weren't happy about it, but it's out of my control. The important thing is that I have the respect of my teammates and that we're heading into the playoffs and trying to get to the Super Bowl. I'm not upset or angry or anything like that. I've just tried to go out every week and do whatever it takes to help the team. Fucking Troy Brown, man. I want to give 110%. Fucking love him. That's just who he is, though. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, always- the pool. that's okay. Have Troy Brown's that- always been my favorite Patriots player. Forever. Yeah. Have you seen that Brendan Fraser movie where he's like the sweaty guy in the locker room? Troy Brown is the sweaty guy in the locker <laughs> no. room? What the fuck? Brendan Fraser is. Where, where are we tying this in? Yeah, where well, is this They're interviewing him, and he's talking about, oh, I just gave 110%. That sounds familiar, actually. What? Never mind. You cut <laughs> this part. <laughs> Killed it. But I'm going to send you guys the link after, and you'll be like, oh, man, that's funny. Every time I hear, <laughs> every time I hear a player give a, a bullshit response like that, that's all but I, I don't think, think of. I don't, I don't think Troy Brown is bullshit. Yeah, that's just who he's yeah. always been, though. That's why I like Belichick loves it. I mean, that could have been Belichick like wrote that response for him. Right. All I care about is winning. I don't care about individual accolades. I'm I just upset. want to be with my team. You know, we're going to the playoffs, right? Like. Yeah, that's classic Belichick, and I don't yeah. think Belichick wrote that for him, right? No, I don't care about the uh, roster bonus I get for the uh, Pro Bowl. You know, a couple extra million. I just, I just like he was just happy him. he was playing, man. Eighth <laughs> round, Greg Brown. Read his, read his biography. I have not read that. Andy, mail that to me if you have it. Yeah, I can get it to you. It's uh. I don't think it was written by Troy Brown, but it kind of has a feel like it was. So I know he had a hand in it. It's got some interesting stuff in it. I would hope he had a hand but in it. It was it was very well. I think it was like ghost written for him, you know. Yeah, but it still it still sounds like Troy Brown is what I'm saying. It's a good book. Oh, Greg, I have a stat check okay. note. Oh. What like? Who was the last coach or what other coaches were traded for a pick? Because the commentators are talking about how Belichick was traded for a pick. He was. Doc Rivers. Gruden. Gruden's the obvious answer, right? Gruden. Who we'll see next week. But has there been anybody since then? Not that I can remember. Doc Rivers. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Tony Dungy. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, wait. No, that's the Gruden one. Wait. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Because they're like, yeah, Belichick. swapped. And that's what Gruden. Involved. Herm Edwards, apparently. <laughs> what? Who paid a pick for Herm? So, knowing Kansas City was interested in hiring him to succeed the retiring Dick Vermeil, Edwards attempted to strong arm the Jets into a contract extension and include a raise. His move didn't work. The two teams eventually settled on a deal in which Kansas City sent the Jets a fourth, a fourth pick. Oh, it's a fourth pick or a fourth round pick, in exchange to release Edwards from his contract. Uh, wow. Mike Holmgren from the Packers to Seahawks, eight-year contract valued at four million dollars a year and total control over football operations, lured Holmgren to Seattle in '99. Holmgren was not only coach but also executive vice president of football operations and general manager. 
the Packers received the Seahawks' second-round pick, 47th overall in the 99 draft. And Bill Parcells. Yeah. Yeah. He... So Holmgren was pre-Belichick, but post-Parcells? No. Uh, Holmgren, it was, Holmgren was 99. And Parcells was right around then, right? Seven. Yeah. So <laughs> this is good. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. So he just named Bill Belichick, Parcells' top assistant head coach, and signed Parcells as a consultant. The Patriots balked in NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue worked a deal. They gave the Patriots the Jets' third and fourth round picks in 97, a second round pick in 98, and a first round in 99. <laughs> On top of that, the Jets also donated $300,000 to a Patriots charity in exchange for New England releasing Parcells. Wait, so for Parcells, we got a first, a second, a third, and a fourth? Yes. Wow. And $300,000 donated to a Patriots charity. And then Belichick was just a first rounder, right? Uh, that we Belichick was, I believe so. Here we go. Uh, the Patriots were awarded. Wait, what? Patriots were awarded the Jets' fifth round pick in two thousand one and seventh round pick in two thousand two. That doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. No, here we go. NFL Commissioner Paul Tagliabue awarded the Jets the Patriots' first round pick in two thousand and fourth and seventh round pick in 2001. And the Patriots got the Jets' fifth round pick in 01 and seventh round pick in 02. Yeah, so some late picks swap. swap. And a yeah, first. and a first. It's just like a, you don't see coaches being traded. Like It does not happen often. 15 it's, years. It's basically five. those five. Yeah. Yeah. And two of like the same right guys there. going back and forth between the Patriots and well, the Jets. Belichick, Parcells, Holmgren, all within four years. Yeah, give or take. So maybe that was the the coach trading era of the NFL. I wonder if that'll ever come back. Probably not. I think what's well, harder to find a franchise QB or a franchise coach? Hmm, good question. And I guess that goes back to the question, would you rather start a team with Belichick or Brady? Well, at this point, I think it's somewhat obvious, right? Brady has a couple of years left, Belichick has however long he wants. I meant like from the beginning. Right. 2001. I probably want the coach, I would think. Let me just look at um, what's his name from the Chiefs? Andy Reid. Yeah. You're like he's, he's, he's been able to do it a teams, bunch of different yeah, ways. He's elevated any team he's been on. Yeah. And then you can say the same with Bill Parcells too. Parcells would always create playoff teams. He was never quite as successful without Belichick, but he was still, he took the Cowboys to the playoffs, right? Same with the Jets, took them to the playoffs. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, got anything else you want to talk about in this game or you want to do best and worst? Let me uh, review my notesies. Did you see Chris Slade out there? Yes. I didn't actually see him out there, but he was on the list. Of players on this team, they yeah, they called them out a little bit. Did they? Oh, I, I missed yeah. that. This was his. Uh, this was his kind of swollen song after however many years with oh, the yeah. Patriots. This is his last season in the NFL. He was actually third on the team with two and a half sacks, though. 
This is the only season without, uh, not on the Patriots. I did have a note that like Brady had 17 TDs, 10 INTs, and then throws two more in this game. So he ended the year with what, 17 and 12, and that's his Pro Bowl. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, like, today to think about like oh yeah he's got 17 tds and 12 ints it's like that's not even replacement level i mean it was a different actually game, no he right. did throw a touchdown he threw one to wiggins because mm. like wiggins like fell Gat down check he got in the oh, fourth that's right yeah he did yeah you know you're right which i have a note on here that's probably important like wiggins had a couple catches in this game and then you'll have a huge catch against the Raiders. Yeah, spoiler Hopefully, alert. Maybe this game. Or will he? No. <laughs> <laughs> Find out next week. So, so you're right. He threw 18 touchdowns this season. Um, does anybody know? Uh, here's, a, here's a quiz for you. How many did he throw in the playoffs This in 2001? Touchdowns? Yeah. Because um, this surprised me. One. Ooh, Greg Brown yeah. nailed it in one. Yeah, David. In the Rams game, right? In the right? Super Bowl. Yeah, right before That's halftime. Correct. Yep. It's the only touchdown he threw. For he ran yeah. for one against Oakland. Brady yes. threw one against Pittsburgh. You mean Bell, uh, uh, Bledsoe? Yes. Bledsoe, yep. yeah. Which was the same one that Brady would throw in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. That corner route to Patton in the end zone. I, uh... I I looked into that Ray Carew thing a little more that we talked out talked about with Bob. Yeah, yeah. Anything juicy? Well, the only thing I think of note is how he got caught and arrested. Oh boy! Yeah, we didn't touch on that. Yeah, so he he hires the guy that shoots his eight month pregnant wife or yep. girlfriend. Right? She di- She didn't die immediately. She like went into a coma. Oh. And when they like arraigned him or whatever, he paid the bail, like a $3 million bail. So he got out wow. and then she died after that. So that's when he tried to like escape in the trunk of a car of a friend. <laughs> they said when they arrested him, he was like holed up in like the trunk of a car <laughs> with $3,900 worth of cash, <laughs> bottles to hold his own urine. This Clothes, sounds familiar. Candy bars and a cell phone. Yeah, I feel like this was actually on the news where they had like surrounded the cops and surrounded the car and they were like pulling him out of the trunk. Yeah. Where was like, he trying to go? Helicopter footage of it. California. <laughs> and then you have uh, that former boss of Nissan. You hear about that guy? No. Oh, yeah. That he got indicted cool. in Japan for like defrauding uh, Nissan and stuff. And he like fled the country in a violin case. <laughs> I'm going to like got on your plane, the, the Middle East, and he's scot free. He's home. He's like, can't be extradited. That's yeah. the most Japanese thing ever. Everybody else got to be in a cello case. He's in a fucking violin. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Cruz in a goddamn car, pissing in a bottle, just sitting in a violin. He's case. in a goddamn Nissan, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember that. The only other note I had was they were talking about the fans at the stadium. The They said 40, 40% were wearing Patriots gear. Yeah. And that they heard a Let's Go Jets fan or chant. Oh, yeah. Chant. Patriots fans. Cause, yeah. Way to give away my worst. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's touch on that because um, uh, we we kind of almost talked about it at the beginning, but uh, this game did have playoff implications for the Patriots because they had to win this game and the Jets had to beat the Raiders for the Patriots to get the number two seed in a first round bye. And of course, our friend fucking Ron Borges decided that would be a terrible idea. And so he wrote a bunch of articles in the Boston Globe the week before saying um, that was probably a good idea for the Patriots to lose this game so that they would play wild card weekend. What? Playing three games would be better than whoever they would face and all this extra time off would be... That's retarded. That's Ron Borges. Yeah, Typical like... Ron Bog. And the best thing was uh, the day after the game, he had to do uh, another article that basically said that all the players would prefer the, the extra week off. <laughs> yeah. And had to walk back literally everything he said. Well, when they opened the game, they had a graphic up, and I was like, Patriots are the number two seed. I mean, there was a bunch of people at like 10 and 5 or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, because I don't, I don't see the scores before I watch the games. Yeah. Because I like to be surprised, I guess. All right. And I was like, man, how do we go from like number two to playing on Wild Card Weekend? And then like halfway through the you know, second quarter, like, oh, yeah, if the Jets, the Jets can beat Oakland today, then uh, – the Patriots get a bye, and I was like, "Fucking Jets!" I would root for them anyways. I would root for the Jets to lose and play on Wildcard Weekend. If, if Ron Board just wrote that column, and said, "You know what? We should play on Wildcard Weekend because fuck the Jets and fuck Curtis Martin," I would be like, "Yes, that's what it should have been." Fuck but... everybody at that stadium who was chanting, "Let's go Jets!" Fuck them. Yeah. Ooh, oh, Steve, fiery. But, but this will be good, and I'm um sad that Mike's not here for this one, but um. The Jets won it on a last-second field goal, thanks to um, the the um, uh, heroic seemed like a strong word for a holder on a on a field goal attempt. But Tom Tupa uh, got a bad snap, but still managed to to pull it up and set it up for <laughs> the fuck's their kicker. I don't even care. John Hall to 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 kick the game-winning field goal. So the Jets won twenty-four twenty-two right at the end of the game. Yeah. So Tom Tupa is the reason the Patriots dynasty began. That's fine. I mean, they gave us the Raiders game, which is awesome, and we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. All ends well, but fuck the Jets. I'll give you my best. All right. Best of words. Get right into right it, Steve. Come on. <laughs> so they, uh, the commentators were like, Brady had a hard count, and mm. it was like third and six or something like that, right? And he gets a hard count and gets a offsides. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Brady's hard count is part of his arsenal. And, like, literally while they're talking about how this this hard count is part of his arsenal, Brady busts out the quarterback sneak. <laughs> I don't know. if it, I, don't, I can't remember a Brady QB sneak like that during the season. Nothing, not, nothing stuck out. On the, but not like, on the quick Not on, like, yeah. the, yeah, just, like, the, the hurry up, get to the line, and do it yep. real quick. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I was like... That's that's his like number that's one. His yeah. No, that's and to be one. fair, Steve, neither you nor I have watched any of the games this year, so we could. I, I watch them. <laughs> I don't know if all the articles. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like it may have came up once, but it may have been the, one of the games that you guys were on. It's just me and Mike. Maybe like the fucking early Dolphins game, but 
Yeah, no, they, they were, it hadn't happened often, if at all. So this no. was this first, yeah, the beginning of what was a legendary run of him converting on Dude, yard thousand yards time. doing it. Yeah, it's true, one yard at a time. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right, and your worst was the Jets stuff? Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Greg, what about you? All right, so my best, there was a couple, there was a couple instances where they, they put in the, uh, you know, like the in-game highlight package where they give you the update around the league. Thing. Oh, you might be stealing my best, yeah. Well, there was two. Okay. I'll leave the one I think you're going to go with. No, no, you, you can do them both. I'm sure I can find something else. Okay. Well, the first one was a uh, Chris Fumatu Mafala sighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. We, we'll, we'll get to talk about him next week, I think. But yeah. They said, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Berman, he's one bad Mafala. <laughs> I like one that, you of the, that pronunciation on the first go, too. Dude, I'm, I'm I've thought a lot about that man's name in my life. Oh, my God. He's, <laughs> it's he's one of the best NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Matu Mafala. Yeah. Up there with uh, Tim Biakabatuka and um, Ha'o Manawanui. Mm. Yeah. So, both first try. How about that? So, the other one was the one I think you were thinking of was yep. Keith the Tractor Trailer. <laughs> yes. Intercepting the interception ball return. And running it like probably 60 yards. Wait, did no. he do this for the Patriots? Because I saw that and I was like, I feel like I've seen that play with him in a different jersey. Or maybe I'm just remembering no, that. No, I think it was the Ted Washington one you're remembering. Oh, yeah. Wasn't, yeah, wasn't that Ted Washington? Was. Yeah, the 31 nothing game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But no, because, I mean, we've seen other nose tackles return the fumbles or, or interceptions. Like, we've seen Vince Wolford do it a couple times. And it's, it's always him. awesome. But I've never seen anybody yeah. move as slow as Keith Trailer did in this. Well, and the best part is he gets like 40 yards in. Yeah. And he starts looking around for someone yeah. to pitch the ball to because you could tell he was just so beat. He was He's so like, dumb. fuck this. Somebody take this thing. <laughs> and he couldn't find anybody. So at the end, he just kind of fell over. Nobody tackled him. He just kind of like went down in a heap at the five yard line. He was just Dude, all done. I- Fat man touchdowns or fat man returns are the best. Oh, they're so good. Like the referee was out running them and like having to like just jog to slow down a bit. I just <laughs> it looked it up. So he has another 62 yard return. That was 67. Wow. 62 and 97. Did he score? Nope. He hasn't scored a touchdown. <laughs> I bet he didn't. He just runs out of juice. And, the and I will is- say, when uh, Will Fork does it, he actually looks like athletic about it. He, well, Wolfork is. I'm sure we'll talk about it. it. Caught Eventually. it. Other hand. Yeah. He, yeah. He's he's thrown a stiff arm at one on one of them. He like, transfers the ball from one arm to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's holding it like an actual football player instead of like a loaf of bread. I mean, the all-time worst is Leon Lett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he put Shane to the fat him. man name. Yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. Don Beebe. Yep. Nice deep dive. I like that. Yeah. All right, so what's your worst then? Uh, I hadn't really thought of it. The only other note I had in here was is when they, uh, I guess I could spin into a worst, is when the they were talking about Brady and like they had, you know, they have the meetings the night before. 
Yeah. And and they said that he was wearing baggy blue jeans and it was hanging barely on his fanny. <laughs> and a, a sign a, sign of the a, times, yeah. And a backwards baseball cap. Yeah. yeah. It was barely on his fanny. <laughs> they tell you the kids these days. Uh, that's a pretty good one. All right, I'll give you that. All right, let's see. What's what's my best here? Um I got a lot of worse in this game. This was a sloppy game. Oh, so think, sloppy. Um, one of my best was um, the infographics they put up. Just the title of one of them was Panthers or Pussycats. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> just yeah. it, was, it was just showing how they ranked last in like everything and second to last in everything else. That's well, a week 17. Yeah. Yeah, it's a week seventeen graphic. Oh, yeah. We're like, no one's watching this game, right? We can, <laughs> we can go with the puff, pussycats graph. <laughs> Jokes on them. It's twenty twenty. We're watching it. It was so good. Um, let's see. I feel like, yeah, that's probably as, as best it's gonna get for stuff we haven't talked about. Um, I think the worst was basically all of garbage time at the end of this game. There was uh, Patriots uh, fourth. So this is how the fourth quarter went. Brady tried to hit Patton deep on a on third down, up like I don't know two touchdowns already. Um, oh, they oh, they were up twenty four six, and they, he's just like going deep just for the hell of it. And so they punt. Uh, the next play, Winky fumbles a snap. The Pats recover. And Brady scores a touchdown, and then. Um, Otis Smith finally gets his pick six. This is still in the fourth quarter. And at the end, like, the Panthers is still kind of trying to go for it, but um, it's, like, fourth and really long. Uh, the Pats jump off sides on the fourth down play, and Winky drops back. All he has, He's got a free play, drops back, and gets blindsided, drops the football, and it literally just, like, sits there. Like, nobody goes to recover it because like it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. It's a free play anyway. So like eventually one of the Patriots players jumps on it. And uh and so and this is all in a play that just like doesn't fucking count. And then so the 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 Panthers get uh, a a do over now it's like fourth and two instead of fourth and seven. Well that and was a that was a foreshadowing for Cam Newton in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it's Panther style. <laughs> nah I don't want to I don't want to pick that up. <laughs> it was yeah we could just like Nah. And watching the ball is like, yeah, I'm good. Um, and then so they have fourth and two, which they could have converted, but and then Winky goes and almost throws yet another interception to Otis Smith. And that's basically how the game ended. And it was just like running out the clock. Yeah. And it was just like such a shit show. They had their chance, I'm telling you, because their running back was gashing us. It was awful. It, it was and bad, then yeah. just committed a bunch of dumb penalties, and Winky was just could not stop throwing picks. A uh, couple other honorable mentions for worse. Um, Steve Smith's fumble on the kick return was his eighth fumble on kick returns that season. Yeah, I had that note too. Fucking eighth, and he, he still made the, the Pro Bowl. Yeah. A different game back then. Um, and then on the opening kickoff, Patrick Pass returned it. Um, yeah. Uh, tackled as he was going out of bounds and hit the, the plastic tarp and slid so far that he hit the, the benches and injured himself. Dude, he was jacked up the whole game. Like he kept playing, but you could tell his shoulder was fucked up from like yeah, 
hitting that bench. Yeah, because like, yeah, he made a couple of tackles on Steve Smith on kick returns. But yeah. yeah, he was all like, yeah, he would come limping off every time. Remember when Reggie Bush How the game started was that, was that fucking play? In the Super Bowl? Or in the yeah. Superdome? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he kind of remind me of that? Them? Yeah, he did. He sued the I Superdome. Th- it was something, yeah. Or it might have been the Rams' old stadium. Yeah, it was one of those domes. Oh, and they I have one had, more. Like, cement on the outside. Yeah, yeah it had a cement ring before they hit the the actual like stadium wall, and that's what he he slid on and, and yeah, tore his shit. Yeah, that that I, when he did that, I was like, that looked like Reggie Bush, because like yeah. he's flying, and then like all of a sudden there's a bunch of shit. Yeah, there's he's, he's no way to stop. He literally was, like slid on his stomach. Yeah, for, like five ten yards at full speed into the the footing of the the those metal benches that they have on the sidelines. But I had one more um, trivia note that I thought was pretty cool. On Winky's second interception, the one to Otis Smith that got called back, that was tipped. The receiver that tipped it was Donald Hayes, who the year after would actually be playing for the Patriots and catching touchdowns for them. Wasn't he a Dolphins guy? Donald, no, Donald Hayes was with the Panthers for one, two, three, four years. This was his last year with the Panthers, and then you're thinking of year. Donald Driver, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably true. Packers and for the Pats in 02. One of so, the many of those uh, one hit wonders that would be on Tom Brady's list of 77 different receivers. So many of them. Oh, I have one note before we wrap it up. All right, give it to me. The end of the second half. Yeah. The end when of the they had the Hail Mary chance, the Panthers did. Yeah. End of and the first half? The, yeah, the first half. And the Patriots rushed one player. <laughs> and then someone blitz. Like, literally, they rushed one. They did. And then, then one of the linebackers blitzed and, like, literally the other four guys, like, now nah, let's off the end, yeah, <laughs> eventually. And he forced a fumble. And the commentators, even, even better like, than that. Is that a fumble? They're like, no, it's a tuck rule. <laughs> yes, <laughs> wow. it, it was the tuck rule, yeah. and it came into effect yet again. This is the second time we've seen it this season because it came into effect in the first Jets game too, back yep. in week two. Yeah, everyone remembers. I mean, you can always point to that first Jets game and be like, "Oh, well, yeah, this is where it happened that yeah. once." I like. I don't think anyone's really thought of this. Yeah, but that was literally the play that ended the first half. Was yep, it was clearly a fumble. It was this clear fumble. It was actually it was a very similar kind of hit to that. Almost exactly. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He was pulling the ball down and got hit, and it came got out. hit from his right side from a guy blitzing like free. Yep, and got so the ball. So you're saying the the tuck in the Patriots game, the Raiders game, was a fumble too? Then no, because oh. it wasn't. No, because they were both called oh. a fumble on the oh. field. You just said that this one's clearly a fumble. Well, in today's game, yes, it is clearly a fumble. Oh, is it though? The Did they change the tuck rule? The, even the commentators are talking about the tuck rule. Oh, yeah, interesting. They even Steve. called it the tuck rule. If you'd watch the game, Greg, you'd know. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that part. <laughs> I, I watch more it. than usual. Yep. I'll, I'll give you credit for that. All right. Anything else anybody wanted to to touch on here? No. I think that's all my notes. 
Yep. Foreshadowing next week, Raiders, one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, I think you're not alone in that. The so, snowball. The snowball, that's right. Let so, it see snow. You. We will see you next week for a playoff edition of the Patriots Dynasty podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm dreaming of a wild stop, 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 stop. Playoff. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> see you guys.